morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, I would invite you to turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, and page 710 in our church Bibles. We're going to actually read from two places in the Bible, but it's best that we begin, or you begin, with Mark, chapter 4, verse 21. And if you like, I'm going to read from 2 Samuel, chapter 12, just some verses there in the opening. I think it'll all hopefully come together. When you get there, um, it's good to see you, and just by way of information, we've been working through Mark's gospel verse by verse, so the reason why we're here this morning is this is where we should be. All right. First, I'm going to read from 2 Samuel 12. The Lord sent Nathan to David. This is post-Bathsheba incident. When he came to him, he said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it, and it grew up with him and his children. It shared its food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man. And prepared it for the one who had come to him. David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, As surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He must pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Now the words of Jesus Christ from Mark chapter 4 verse 21. He said to them, Do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed. And whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out to the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use it, it will be measured to you and even more. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what he has will be taken from him. Amen. May God help us this morning and give us understanding of his word. A prayer for the help that we need. Father, we do come very humbly to you. We are asking for your help because we know that we are nothing apart from a work of the Spirit of God to aid us in understanding and to place in us a desire to really listen and to believe to believe for the first time, for real, perhaps, or believe. So please take my words and work through them. Take our minds and our hearts and be pleased to make them good soil in which we would find and you would find out of us, God, an abundant harvest. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, off the heels of the parable of the four soils, we are... Here in this very little paragraph, I've determined to go a little longer, but as I worked through it, I thought it was best just to keep these words um, from Jesus in that context. So as you read those words, they are in some measure, for some it could be like a, a sword which could pierce their heart. And for all of us, it's a mirror in which we um, are meant to see ourselves and here Jesus would reveal the listener's true state. So if a person has ever been tempted or or is tempted to wonder, you know, is this Bible learning stuff really worth it? Or if you ask yourself, is it important 
to systematically put yourself under the teaching, uh, careful teaching when the Bible uh, is being taught, or if you ask yourself the question, why is it that some people clearly benefit from the teaching of the Bible and others do not? If you've ever found yourself with those questions, then these verses can help you because what Jesus is saying in this little section that it's very possible to listen to God's word without benefiting from it at all. And on the other end of that, it's possible to listen to God's word and benefit from it greatly. And the key to this, Jesus will tell us, is that when the sower sows the word of God, that's the faithful teaching of the Bible, okay? When Christ is being preached, when, when the gospel is being relied on in every talk, when that actually happens, there is a direct correlation between how the listener listens and what they do or do not receive. Okay, that's fundamental. A direct correlation between how they listen and what they do or do not receive. And you can see that in verses 24 and 25 as your, your Bible's open, and I sure hope it is. Jesus lays a heavy emphasis on carefully considering the questions and demands of the gospel and what it means to belong to him and follow him. In fact, in verse 34, that little phrase in the beginning, um, 24, excuse me, consider carefully what you hear. In the Greek, it reads like this. It's actually a play on words. Look how you are listening. Okay? Look how you are listening. In other words, it's almost like you getting outside of yourself to watch yourself to see what kind of listener you actually are, if that were possible, when the Bible is being taught. Okay? And depending on the listener and how they're listening and applying, there will be benefits that come from the listener or benefits which fail to come when those are not listening well. So by dent of principle, what Jesus is saying here, that when the Bible's being taught, it's on the listener. When the Bible's being faithfully taught, it's on the listener. Now, we're not used to that kind of thing because we live in a kind of commercialized age, so typically we can blame it on the speaker if we don't get it. But here, Jesus is saying, the way that you listen is the main role and the main key to you understanding. And that kind of thinking is not unique to Jesus Christ. In fact, let me just give you one example. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, the gospel is being preached, and then the writer says the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard did not combine it with faith. So the people listened to the message, but because they didn't entrust themselves to the message and didn't listen, in fact, they did listen, but it was in some other way, the whole exercise then is useless. And remember, that was similar to three of the four soils that Jesus referred to in the previous parable. And so what we have to discover, and maybe what we're discovering here, is this universal law. Listen carefully. When Christ is preached, now that's the key, okay? When the Bible is faithfully taught, either we will grow better or we will grow worse. Either we in time will become more like Christ or we will have this kind of progressive spiritual atrophy and become less like Christ, and maybe, and this is the warning here, maybe revealing over time that the listener was never actually in Christ. Remember, the seed is sown, the listener doesn't give a rip, the, the evil one steals it away. That was the parable last time. The seed is sown, the listener likes it, it's instant bloom, but they didn't hold to the whole gospel. Trouble comes, instant fade. Right, instant bloom, instant fade. No root, so there's no fruit. The seed is sown. It looks like it's going to grow, but time tells another tale. In fact, it could be a long, long time. And what happens? Well, worry happens and the pleasures of this world happen and money gets in the way. It chokes the word, no fruit. But 
The seed is sown, good soil, fruit, fruit, fruit. Praise God, fruit. Therefore, when we listen and believe and apply, our capacity grows in the things which matter most. Gospel, Jesus, and fruit comes. Remember, Jesus said some 30, some 60, maybe even 100-fold. And we listen, and when we listen and don't learn and don't believe and don't apply, something happens. Our capacity diminishes, and quite alarmingly, Jesus says in these verses, if that continues, it'll actually disappear, which simply reveals what was already true. What was already true. So here Jesus begins, if you look at this section in 24, he gives a little teaching, and then he gives some urging, and then he goes back to teaching, and that's the line that will follow. First some teaching, some urging, and then some teaching. Verse 21, he said to them, do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on a stand? Now, the parables, plural, that Jesus has been teaching was not a means to conceal the kingdom. Instead, they were a means which Jesus used in order that the listener would see himself or see herself in the parable. Remember, they're like a mirror. And part of the preacher or the teacher's responsibility is to make that connection when the listener is unable to make that connection for themselves. That's why I read from you from 2 Samuel 12, right? Nathan, the preacher, visit to David, came after David's affair with Bathsheba. David had stolen Bathsheba from his friend and from his soldier. And Nathan comes to tell David this parable of this little lamb which was stolen by the rich man. David's so upset. He can't stand this guy. It's like, let's get him. You can't do that kind of thing. This is terrible. And then Nathan drops the bomb, right? The devastating words, you are the man. I'm talking about you, David. And of course, to David's credit, if you read on, his response to Nathan is what we would have hoped. The story is given by Nathan. The application is made by Nathan. David believes. He's listened carefully. He learns correctly. He applies immediately. He says, I have sinned against the Lord. Yes, David. Good soil, David. Fruit, David. This is the fruit of repentance. Praise God, David. Now, as an aside, a lot of times when you think about fruit, we bear, you know, and it's increasing capacity to to bear fruit in our lives. We need to remember that one of the fruits that we should be bearing is the capacity to see our need of daily repentance, right? Because usually when we think of fruit, we think of, well, I'm getting better at this and I'm getting better at that. So I have more hope in my life. I have more holiness in my life. I have more faith in my life. I can feel God's power in my life. I am sinning less and less in my life. Well, praise the Lord. That's good stuff. But have you ever said this? Here's one of the ways I'm growing. I see my sin more than I ever have before. And that way I am finding myself glorying in my Lord Jesus Christ more than ever before. Usually it's the power stuff. It's not the stuff that shows us that we're horrible sinners and we've got a great Savior. And if you make the connection... This tells us that what we've been learning about the parables. The parables are filters. And they tell us the difference between those who have ears, which is pretty much everyone, and those who have ears to hear. So in teaching number one, we just have two subpoints, a little parable to make a point. This is what Jesus did. It's pretty much a no-banner. Verse 21, right? Do you bring in a lamp, one of the, those clay lamps, and put it under a bucket or a bed? No. Even a child will know the answer to that question. Of course you wouldn't do that. Lamps are meant to bring light. Why would you bring a lamp into a room then to immediately cover it up? Makes no sense. 
And so the answer to the, his first question is no. But his answer to the second question is yes. Verse 21b, don't you put it on a stand? Well, yes, of course we do, Jesus. Lamps are put on tables and what happens? The light shines and darkness goes away and light is revealed. So in this little parable, subpoint number one, it's meant to make a point. Subpoint number two, the parable that Jesus gives here is a question to make you think. Now think about this just for a second. It's a great teaching method. Give two softball questions, right? Everybody's a winner. And then you want them to think. And so here comes the third question. If you really think about it, we think about the lamp, right? Because that's what's happening. When you think about those two questions, immediately your mind's on the lamp. Okay, who is the lamp? Well, the lamp, P, is the same person as the lamb, right? The lamp is the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the lamp. God's word, the gospel, the living word, Jesus Christ, all interchangeable. Light of the world, yes. And the point that Jesus is making here is that Jesus hadn't come to be a light that would be hidden under a bed or covered by a bowl, right? He hasn't come so that one may cover him up with a bowl. No, Jesus, as the song said, he's meant to shine, shine, Jesus, shine. And so what Jesus is saying here, it would be so wrong for people to think that God had brought the kingdom of God near in the life and ministry and works of Jesus Christ with the purpose of actually concealing Jesus, concealing the kingdom. Now, run that through. It would be so weird for those who profess faith in Jesus Christ. It would be so wrong to conclude that what is done to us in Christ should be kept hidden away and not revealed in our life as well, right? How strange it would be. How strange it would be if grandpa never talked about the grandkids. Weird, right? How strange it would be. Here's a fancy word. How incongruous it would be that a Christian would not speak of Jesus in the comings and goings in their life and essentially hide him under a bowl, right? Therefore, the kingdom of God and the secret of the kingdom, which is the person and work of Jesus Christ, is veiled in these parables, not so that no one will get it, but rather those who should get it, would get it. And loved ones, listen carefully. Every time we listen to the Bible being taught, we need to understand what was secret, what was revealed to the disciples, what was veiled in the person of Jesus. Every time we hear the Bible taught, it's received only by faith alone, then and now, right? Faith and only faith is going to be able to recognize that the Son of God is the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Only by faith can we believe that. Because as you think this through, what those listening to Jesus is teaching on the kingdom thought about the kingdom, they thought in a completely other way than what Jesus was teaching about the kingdom, right? We've said this many times before. They thought Messiah would come, certain things would happen. They're not happening. They thought when Messiah would come, enemies destroyed. And here Jesus is saying things like, uh, we need to forgive our enemies and we need to pray for our enemies because this king delights to show mercy to our enemies. The disciples as well thought certain things would happen. They're not happening. For example, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they were asking Jesus, and remember, this is after the resurrection. Okay, Lord, are you now going to restore the kingdom to Israel? I mean, Jesus is like, guys, really? Really? So you see, they all had all kinds of notions. All of them were wrong. 
And as you think about it, ultimately, when Jesus is hanging on the cross and people stood underneath and looked at that, you know, horrible sight, that pitiful scene, how could anyone ever conclude that the Messiah, the Son of God, the one in which the kingdom had come, was hanging there? I mean, how could anyone honestly come to that conclusion except by means of faith? And now here we are in the 21st century. Whenever Jesus is preached, all the modernization of our culture, all the confidence of our culture, all the philosophies of our culture, right? Everyone can have a claim of truth. One truth can't possibly be true. And it's only by consensus can we have truth. Therefore, the only way we can find truth is by the merger of all these different ideas coexisting. However, we open our Bible and it says there's only one mediator between God and man. It's the man, Christ Jesus. It says salvation is found in no one else for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And the people say, well, that sounds kind of narrow-minded. And we say graciously, yeah, maybe. But it's true. You ever think about this? How would an old, old person, how would a young, young person and everyone in between ever come to accept this Jesus, accept by grace through faith in Jesus? Let me just take young people, for example. If all we needed was uh, bells and whistles, chips, dips, trips, and people being, quote, real, if that's all we needed, then why isn't everyone a Christian? Why isn't everyone a Christian if that's all we need? We see families. They hear the gospel preached. They hear the same teaching of the Bible Sunday by Sunday. Others believe, others don't. They hear the same talks, the same stories. They, they uh, merge in the same content in their mind. One in time grows better, the other in time grows worse. That says a lot. It says that longevity is never the test of maturity. It says consistency in the teaching of the Bible is not the test of genuine Christianity. And so Jesus says here, what is right now concealed will eventually be revealed It's going to be brought out into the open. And one day, either now or on that day, the true conditioner of the listener's state will be revealed. In other words, verse 29, we didn't read it, but essentially what Jesus said, there's coming a day of harvest, right? As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest time has come. And so again, Jesus is saying one day the harvest will be reaped and the light of Christ who who will give light to the world, who has come into the world, John chapter 1, and here he is now in the world in this section here. He's right in front of them. He's preaching the gospel. He's telling these parables. He's casting out demons. He's making sick people better. Some are listening to him and saying thanks, but no thanks. Some people are listening to him saying, this guy ticks me off. We need to kill him. Some are listening but it's the old, what, the, the baby passing around in the pew thing. And somebody goes over there and everybody's there. And somebody goes over there and everybody's there. It's not eyes on Bible and I know eyes here. So they're just kind of like, huh? But other people are listening. They're listening to the same stuff. And they're bowing down before Jesus. And they say essentially, my Lord and my God, I believe you. And my whole life now belongs to you. And you see the filtration system is these parables at work. And one day, as we said, the one who is the sower, Jesus is pouring, pouring, sowing, sowing, casting his seed wide and thick. 
He's going to come back as the reaper. And on that day, everyone will see him. And everyone will have to bow their knee to him, some willingly, some unwillingly. But no matter, they're going to confess what has always been true. Jesus Christ is Lord to glory, to the glory of God the Father. Right? So those who, who listen to the Bible being taught and essentially say, no cross, no cross, no cross. They're going to see the man on the cross. He's going to come in glory and power. And he's going to show them that the preaching of the cross is not a bloody waste of time for those who just, you know, can't cope with life. No, the preaching of the cross is the wisdom of God and the power of God for everyone who believes. That's the teaching. Number one, now to the urging. Number two, which comes out of the teaching, right? Verse 23 and following, if anyone has ears, let him hear. Then consider carefully what you hear. Again, two subpoints here. Use your ears and pay attention, right? Use your ears. That's the first subpoint. That's the cry of every mother to their child, right? Many a wife to her husband, right? That's why God gave you ears, honey, right? Are you listening to me, honey? Are you H-E-A-R-I-N-G in what I'm saying? And so what Jesus is showing here is the largeness of what takes place whenever the Bible is being opened to be taught. And again, we're not used to this. We're kind of relaxed culture, right? No, this is a solemn occasion. Don't let the man behind the box fool you. What is happening here is solemn. We need at times to feel the weight of what is being said when the Bible is faithfully preached. So it calls for us to lay hold of what we hear by faith, about what Jesus is teaching about the kingdom, what he's saying about his kingly rule, and the person who is paying attention will always see, well, I need a king for my life. I may be making a hash out of everything now, but I, I think I need Jesus to be my king. Or the person is listening and I can say, oh, I'm so thankful that Jesus is my king. I haven't been so hot these days, but I'm so thankful that there's no condemnation between God and man because of the one man, Christ Jesus. And that person is using their ears to hear because the parables are saying more than meets the eye. The eyes are important, but the ears, much more important. So the person rightly listening with their ears, using their ears, benefit in their belief because they've honestly applied and they're honestly thinking things through. Right? Use your ears. Because when the Bible's open, I don't care where you are, it is a big moment. Jesus is about to speak to you as his word is being taught. Number two, pay attention. That's verse 24 again. Jesus says, consider carefully what you hear. Remember we said in the Greek it was, look how you listen. Right? Look how you listen. One of my kids, God bless them all and God bless all your kids. But one of them has a great habit that I try to copy that whenever they're talking to somebody, they're doing one of these. Eye contact and they're, they're listening like that to them. And, and it's just so good. It's very affirming when, when, and when, he, when they talk to me and they're doing this. Listen well. Put your mind on notice. Pay, pay attention. Feel, and this is important, feel your need to hear this. Because if you think about it, that's at the root of how well one pays attention. If we come in and it's like, you know, it's just another Sunday. And here he comes and blah, blah, blah. And get in, get out, quick, quick, quick. Or, okay, I'm going to look past him. The Bible's being open. 
and it's going to be taught faithfully. I need to pay attention because Jesus is speaking to me now. Now, except for Jesus Christ, the messenger of the message doesn't really matter because it's the message. Paul said this perfectly, 1 Corinthians 3, some water, some plant. Remember the church that had a little problem? We love Paul, we love Peter, we love this guy. And Paul's like, listen, the waterer, the planter, nothing. Only God who makes things grow. Have you ever thought about this? If God can make a donkey talk in the Old Testament and it have some effect, then God can make a Joey talk about the New Testament and it can have some effect. However, beyond that, the reason why we have to consider carefully what we hear is because God's Word, the preaching of Christ, the Gospel, is God's appointed means whereby people come to place their trust in Jesus and learn how to live for Jesus. It's very important. This is God's appointed means so so that people can come to Jesus and learn to live for Jesus. God's Word is how a person comes to faith. And God's Word is how a Christian grows in grace. So the Bible taught has warnings, doesn't it? Jesus in John 8 says to actually the crowds, to his followers, if you pay attention to me, if you don't pay attention to me, excuse me, if you don't listen to me, you'll die in your sins. That's what he says in John 8. Hebrews 4, people are destined to die once, five, and after that face judgment. Where else are you going to hear that except when the Bible's open? You go home and you're going to knock on your neighbor's door, perhaps, and you're going to tell him, I went to church and that you love Jesus, and you're wondering if he would too. He might tell you to get off his property. He might say, you religious freak. So he or she is not listening to you. But if we are going to consider carefully what we hear, if we're going to consider the full counsel of God here, then we better be all in in our listening. We better, as Jesus says, pay attention. So there's warnings in the Bible that we have to account for. There's also promises that we should listen for. Covenant promises, family promises, we should enjoy them. I gave you one. There is no condemnation because of Jesus. So you can't condemn yourself and other people can't condemn you. Now go live in that truth. The promises given are to be applied. Apply them. And when the person comes in and they've made a hash of their life, you know, for the 25th time thinking, no, I can't fix myself. I can't do this. I tried to do this, but I can't. It's worse than before. Then the Bible's opened up and Jesus is preaching. He says, listen to me. You come to me and I'll be all you need and more besides. In fact, we'll begin with forgiveness. Isaiah 1 and verse 18. It's one of my favorite passages in Isaiah. Come now, let us settle the matter. It's like, come on, let's sit down here. Get yourself a coffee, get yourself some tea. Sit down with me. Though your sins are like scarlet, They shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And the only person who wouldn't come to that table and sit down with their coffee and have some time with Jesus is who? Is who? The ones that they think they just have no need for that kind of talk. It's a wonderful word, isn't it? But it's only for those who pay attention. 
those who can carefully consider. If you think about it and listen carefully, the benefit of the Bible is really for those who know how great their need is. The benefit of the Bible is really only for those who know how great their need is. So my wife woke up this morning and she said, you know, it's only 12 weeks until Christmas. And I said, yeah, honey, I'm going to mention that today. Because one of my favorite songs of Christmas is actually Mary's song from Luke's Gospel. Remember, there's the line that says, He, God, He sends the full, He sends the rich, those who think I'm fine. God sends them away empty. Why does God do that? Because He wants to know. No, because there's just no room in them. They're full. They come to God full. They have no room for Him. Right? But the poor, the needy, the hungry, the the empty... He fills them with good things. Good things. And loved ones, that happens every Sunday. Here's a parable. You come in here full, you're probably going to leave empty. You come in here empty, by God's grace, you'll leave full. If you ask yourself, why do certain people benefit from the Bible? Probably one of the keys is right here. When the Bible's open, they're empty. People who don't benefit when the Bible's open, if they can actually put themselves in that context and they're full, there's no room. Now listen carefully. So whenever the Bible's open, whatever the spiritual equivalent of sit up, ears pointed forward, Bible or eyes on the Bible, engaged, pay attention, whatever the spiritual equivalent of that, we must do in order that we would listen carefully, believe it completely, practice it consistently, and the power of the Holy Spirit tirelessly. Again, whatever the spiritual equivalent of, of if set up, ears engaged, eyes on the Bible, eyes back, forth, engaged, in order that we would listen carefully, believe it completely, practice it consistently, and the power of the Holy Spirit tirelessly. Whatever that equivalent is, that's what we must do. Final point. Okay, teaching number one was what? The light is bright and the light is Jesus. It will in time be shown to all if a person's faith is actual or simply all artificial, counterfeit. The urging here is the voice of God is in the word of God, faithfully taught. My God, who would not pay attention to that? Mind in, heart in, alert in this exercise of the Bible faithfully being preached. Is this cruel to say when we get the beat down this, in the course of the week, when we get horrible news, we're scared out of our wits. My guess is that when we come in here, we are ready to listen to worship and to sing. At least I could say that about me. But when everything's full and fine, oh, thank God that's over with. Off we go. Final point, final uh, teaching there. Measure for measure, again, two subpoints, use it or lose it. Measure for measure, that's verse 24b. With the measure you use in your listening, it will be measured to you and even more. And the line that is, Jesus is going down is pretty simple. Listen, listen, listen. Believe, believe, believe. In order to apply, 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 to receive, receive, receive. Measure for measure. My love, my goodness, my truth, my urges, my warnings. Measure for measure. In other words, if we abound in God's provision of his word, we find that he abounds in us and he abounds for us and he abounds to us. Now, loved ones, this is a fundamental, so please listen carefully. 
two things. <laughs> One, this happened to me this week. Apparently last week I didn't preach to myself good enough because I always say preach to myself before I preach to you. And I re-listened to my sermon uh, midweek last week and I just got put myself under a heavy conviction for my own words. And I found myself repenting like a billion times listening to my own sermon. And it wasn't because it was bad. It was because it was true. <laughs> That's the first thing. The second thing, God has fixed means, methods to accomplish his purpose in, in this. First, Primary is the person and work of Jesus. Now, again, if there is no Jesus to preach, then there is no salvation to be given. So Jesus is primary. Second, the power of the gospel. That's Romans 1.16. This is the only time power is actually mentioned in the New Testament. It's always with the gospel. That gospel who brings salvation to who? To everyone who believes. So Jesus needs to be preached. The message needs to be proclaimed, showing what God has done. And so when we listen carefully to the faithful teaching of the Bible, when we believe it completely, practice it wholeheartedly, in the power of the Holy Spirit, tirelessly, gospel growth, fruit is revealed. That's why Jesus gives his warnings. That's why he gives us promises. That's why he gives us examples. That's why he gives us communion so we won't forget about the cross. That's why he gives us suffering. So that in our sufferings, we will embrace our weakness and know the power of Christ. And that's why he's given us fellowship, the church, prayer, the Bible. These are God's chosen ways to accomplish his person. So first, to come to faith in Christ and then to grow in grace. Faith in Christ as the Bible is being taught. Grow in grace as the Bible's being faithfully taught. So if our response is superficial, if it's unreal, that's going to prove itself in time. Measure for measure. If a person is counterfeit, they will pay a wage now in time. But on that last day, they will pay that devastating wage for all eternity. But if our response is genuine, measure for measure, we will grow in grace and will grow in the privileged state, ever increasing to see... (laughs) To see everything as Jesus would see it so that we might do everything as Jesus would do it. What Christian would not want that? What Christian would not honestly say, I want to see everything as Jesus would see it so that I might do everything in my life as Jesus would do it? Which begs the question, right? Talking with our friends, approaching our work, listening to the news, what we do with our time, energy, and money. Is it increasingly as our Lord? Young people, Old people, everyone in between, is it more like Jesus? Measure for measure. Secondly, and finally, use it or lose it. That's verse 25. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Use it or lose it. You weightlifters understand this, right? You lift weights, do some sets, you do some reps. In order that what happens? Your muscle tissue breaks down in order that your muscles might grow. Okay, but if you just get your gym membership, let's say it's Gold's Gym, and you buy the t-shirt, Gold's Gym, and you got your weightlifting gloves, and you're drinking the uh, muscle milk, and you're eating the protein bars, and you're excited all that, but you never actually go to the gym and do the exercises, or you go, but you're always looking at yourself in the mirror, atrophy sets in, you get weaker and weaker and weaker, making it harder and harder to actually lift the weight. And what Jesus is saying here, as in the physical realm, so in the spiritual realm. 
And again, it's all on the listener. Because it's too easy to blame all the other peripheral things. Why we're not growing. No, it's all on the listener when the Bible's faithfully being taught. So there's a warning here. Because this tells us how it can be so that one can listen to the Word of God preach, preached. They can sit under it with so little benefit. So maybe they do this because, you know, this is what they've always done. Get up, morning, church. Or maybe they do it because they like the company. Or the moral exhortation. I need someone to tell me what to do. Or they like the emotional surges. I like what I feel when I'm here. But this is what we know. If that kind of person never changed, then that means that that person never considered carefully the message. And they didn't believe it completely. And they never applied it diligently. Their capacity then diminishes to understand. And if this remains, as time sets in, their true allegiance is revealed. That's the warning here. Use it or lose it. Because what you have will be taken away rather than increased. And the promise here then begins with the humility. Like a, that a, let me say it like this. The promise here begins with the humility that a setting like this demands. God is about to speak to us through a mere man, through his word. And if we listen carefully, then our capacity grows. And we make progress under the teaching of the Bible. If we don't use it, we will lose it. So let's end like this. Someone says, hey, wait a minute. That sounds a lot like you can lose your salvation. Here's my answer to that. We can never lose our salvation just as long as it is a true profession. Because one of the reasons we don't lose our salvation is because by God's grace, one of the effects of our salvation is that we use our salvation. Sure, some 30, some 60, some 100. But that's the effects of genuine salvation. And then we glory in the God of our salvation. So for us to live as we please, do what we want, call our own shots, pay no real attention to Jesus and his word and not believe it and don't practice it and have no fruit, that sounds a whole lot like what I was before my salvation. And it sounds to me like a heart in inspection is genuinely needed. Jesus Christ is the final judge of a person's salvation. But the Bible, the words of Jesus Christ, is the way in which God has given us to describe that salvation he will judge. So the Christian privilege and responsibilities, they're not irrelevant. They're not seasonal. They're vital. They show outwardly what Jesus has accomplished inwardly. And this is why Jesus says to the crowds, if you have ears to hear, hear. And you better listen carefully to what you're hearing because the measure you use will be measured back to you and even more. And, you know, whoever has will be given more. But if you don't have, even what you have will be taken away. And if that remains that way, then your true state before me is revealed. Good. Pretty fair. There's all kinds of the warnings in the Bible about people who make false professions. This is one of those warnings. I'm going to be around if you have a question. Let's pray. And thanks for your attention this morning. 
I suspect God in my mind, this is how I think, in the age and stage that we live in, it's pretty hard for the Bible to make judgments on us because it's so easy for us to make judgments on ourselves and on others. The, the times make it easy. We're well-fed, well-housed, health-good, generally speaking. And so we're tempted to grow larger in our own eyes and our words grow bigger and then the words of Jesus get smaller and smaller because it's, there's got to be some give in us. It's either going to be our words or Jesus' words and that's always the fight internally and, and we want Jesus' words to expand in us. So what does that mean? Well, it means what Jesus says here. We've got to do a good job listening. We've got to do a good job applying. So I pray, like I did last week, I want everyone within the sound of my voice to, to know Jesus as their Savior, their King, and their friend. And if that's not true right now, then God, please make it true. And then, God, my prayer is that we would all be better listeners. Of course, I need to be a better preacher. That's an easy one. But we all need to be better listeners. Maybe that's a harder one. So may the peace of Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be on all who believe, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.